Hello, um, I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic, and you're listening to Genuine Chit Chat. Hello there, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I am joined by Ben of Star Wars Timeline. Now, any long-term listeners will know that Ben and I do a lot of collaborations. I appear on his YouTube channel, Star Wars Timeline, quite a lot. And he also appeared on Genuine Chit Chat at the tail end of 2021 to speak about his culture because he is Russian, as well as his love for Star Wars, animation, Dune, and modern mythology, all those sorts of things. So I'll make a note of that in the description of what episode number that is. But in this discussion, we specifically talk about the show Kenobi, which if you're listening basically as this airs, it will be before Kenobi comes out because this is released just under two weeks before the first two episodes drop of Kenobi. So in short, this is part one of our discussion. Part two will drop this time next week on this feed. But if you are a Patreon supporter, you will already have access to the full unsplit episode, as well as tons of other bonus content. But in part one, we speak about a bit of background information on Kenobi, as well as other content that people may want to check out in the lead up to the Kenobi series. In addition to that, we talk about what Kenobi means to each of us as a character, what he means in Star Wars, and those sorts of things. In part two we talk about a few other bits and pieces as well but i'll detail that in my outro so just here i will say make sure you subscribe to ben on his channel at star wars timeline and link is in the description other bits and pieces of information are in the description as well including the numerous guest spots that i've done on star wars timeline and a few other bits and pieces as well as more information on my patreon and even a link that you can get a free episode of my patreon as well episode one of mine and megan's tom hanks rewatch but that's enough waffle from me in this intro i'll be back at the end to give you more information on what's coming up in part two other stuff to do with genuine chit chat and that sort of thing so without further ado here is ben of star wars timeline talking with me about kenobi welcome to genuine chit chat where we have honest conversations with interesting people and i'm your host mike burton So we are here, or I'm here with Ben of Star Wars Timeline, or maybe you're on uh, Ben's channel itself and you're seeing me on there as a gu- as a guest, almost as a ghost then, it's a force ghost. Um, but we are going to have a big old conversation about Kenobi, you know, you've got the Kenobi series coming out, so we're going to talk about our, our wants, our thoughts, how it's going to connect to other uh, content and other things that you can consume to kind of lead up to it in a sense and what the character means to us i will pre-warn everyone uh that you may be able to hear it a little bit i have a cold of some sort it seems still and also i was cutting up carpet today and so that i have allergies and the dust so i've been sneezing and poor ben keeps hearing me blow my nose so it's pretty <laughs> gross i'll make sure i mute it for the audio so none of you listeners have to hear it if you see me do it but yeah i'm um a little bit croaky but ben how are you doing because this is also on your channel so i feel like you have to <laughs> After, I was obviously joking, but um, how are you doing, sir? Please introduce yourself to any of my listeners who don't already know who you are. Right, Mike. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I love to have you on my show. It feels like the introductions are no longer necessary, right? I always have you on my podcast. We talked about prequels, sequels. Guys, for those of you who are watching it on Star Wars Timeline uh, podcast, I'll throw it on there. Mike and I have become good friends over our discussions and love of Star Wars. You come from a generation of prequel fans. I come from the 80s fans who grew up with the original. And it's just uh, uh, so nice and refreshing to share an opinion that is unlike yours and you really get the opportunity to dig in and try to understand not just this thing that connects us but how other people are Mm -hmm. the world that surrounds star wars i think that's the biggest beauty of it all and guys once again who are watching this podcast please check out the genuine chit chat I'll, i'll throw all the links as i usually do mike for you so you get the opportunity to go and just observe how much of a skilled interviewer mike is i'm still learning i'm the padawan here and you're the master <laughs> well thank you very much for those compliments sir anyone who's watching my show is gonna be like yeah we want to know this about mike why is he telling us um, i jest um but no i want to do this a collaboration and obviously normally when we have shows you've been on genuine chit chat and some of my shows i've put on comics in motion when we spoke about book of boba fett and right. i'm gonna do a week by week a kenobi show as well so i'm gonna have you on there at some point as well as uh, other members of the podcasting and youtube communities as well but with this one, we both kind of had the same idea around a similar time of discussing Kenobi beforehand. So we were both like, Let, let's not have either of us get the glory of having that on our show. Let's release it to the world. Hence yeah. why both our audiences get to hear. I mean, each of our audiences have heard both of us anyway. So this is just saving them from choosing. Uh, they now have to choose the feeds, actually. You have to choose your favourites. <laughs> 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 That'll see. Um, 
But to begin all this, I will just quickly read off a few small facts about Kenobi. Um, they're just minor things. I always like anyone who listens to Star Wars comics and canon will know that I love ages of characters. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I just really like knowing how old characters are. I like it in Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. Anything that's got a lot of lore, I just like knowing ages. And so Kenobi, he was born 57 years before the Battle of Yavin. So that's 57 years before New Hope. So obviously, in A New Hope, when, spoiler, he dies. Um, he <laughs> The worst spoiler in all of Star Wars. Um, obviously, he's 57 years old then. And it, when we see him in The Phantom Menace, he's 25. In Attack of the Clones, he's 35. And Revenge of the Sith, he is 38. He's from the planet Stu John, Stu John, and also he's Qui-Gon Jinn's second apprentice after Rail Avaros. And um, yeah, so I want to ask you, Ben, who is Kenobi to you? And just take that question as ambiguous as it is, whatever that question means to you. What, what, right. Who is Kenobi to you? Uh, you know, it's interesting that you uh, detail all these like minutia and, you know, the ages of characters, which I think it makes total sense because it sort of helps you uh, understand the timeline and say, okay, this is what the time period where this character lived through. And it also helps you to get like when the character is in their youth or where they are mentally, their maturity and development in terms of age. It's easy to kind of understand the storylines from that perspective and say, well, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi was much younger in Phantom Menace. He was an apprentice. Don't forget it. We still see his apprentice braid. And later on, he becomes this evolved character. So to answer your question, Mike, what does Kenobi represented me. I don't get into nitty and gritty of details the way that you do. And I've seen this time and again happening in my comic book store that I managed for 10 plus years here in a local comic book mama papa store in the Bronx. And you always had fans come over and talk about dates and character powers and abilities, kind of like a very clear blueprint of what the character is in terms of skills, A, Bs, and Cs. For me, it's a lot more ambiguous. It's, it's, how do I associate with the character in terms of my thrill and excitement of the film, my first initial memories of who Kenobi is? So for me, he was always an old and wise mentor because I grew up with the originals back in the 80s and I used to see them back to back, episode four, five, and six, as this one big story. They were indistinguishable to me and I, I never sensed progression there. It's just one story. And he's this wise old samurai and not necessarily the one who steps in to perform action. He's there who sets our young hero on the course. Mm-hmm. He's the Gandalf of Star Wars. He bestows wisdom, and even later through his spectral form when he is an apparition and he shows up to Luke, he continues Luke's spiritual growth. That is his role. But there's another aspect of him as well. And this other aspect, still within the frame of the original franchise, is that to me... He was the only window in what Jedi were like in the Clone Wars. The whole concept and idea of Clone Wars did not exist to me because the Russian translations of the films that I had, it either got lost in translation or sometimes they had to like really play it by the ear and just make a translation that was, I guess, more sensible. And for some reason, I never knew what these Clone Wars are or who is Anakin Skywalker. For me, it was always Darth Vader. But when we looked at Kenobi, it's like, oh, so the Jedi must have been like this guy, old and wise, and you listen to their counsel, and whatever they have to say, whether it's to the public or whether it's a desperate measure they have to take, like Obi-Wan does in Anchorhead, and then everybody suddenly respects that authority, respects that power and prowess, and says, like, well, better deter to whatever this Jedi is doing. So that's what Kenobi was to be. He described this world that thankfully was not filled with all these details that kind of take away a little bit of fun Mm, i see what you mean yeah so with me kenobi was always the pinnacle of role models for me Mm -hmm. whenever i saw him he was like pure good in the right way not in a way that's overly self-righteous or anything like that just a man who truly to his core is purely trying to do the best and when I I saw him in A New Hope first, I remember that, and right. I really connected with him in New Hope. I never really connected with him in The Phantom Menace that much. Obviously, him killing Darth Maul was really cool. But aside from that, I was like, he's he's okay. Um, mm-hmm. He's one of the weaker parts of the the movie that aren't the really bad parts. You know, you've kind of got the main bits like Jar Jar and the, all the politics nonsense and the, the pacing and things a little bit. But then... Right you've got kind of the, the secondary parts that are just a little bit weaker than one would hope uh, in, mm-hmm. thing, in The Phantom Menace. And it's just kind of in there, I was like, eh, Obi-Wan's not as good as I want him to be. I really like him in Attack of the Clones. I think he's great. And then Revenge of the Sith, I absolutely adore 
Ewan McGregor's performance. Ewan McGregor for me right. is Obi-Wan, even though when I think of Obi-Wan, I think of all Obi-Wans as in all interpretations, as in we get Clone Wars, as well as um, Ewan McGregor and Alec Guinness. But I think of Alec Guinness and Ewan McGregor specifically as one. And for me, he's just always been that, kind of similar to you, the guiding light. He's, he's trying to be the best that he can. He's He makes mistakes along the way, but in the end, he does essentially save the galaxy, especially paying attention to the original trilogy. He, he I got a question for you. As yeah. as a prequel fan specifically, because I totally agree with you, I, I was the fan who enjoyed part two, The Phantom Menace, a great deal better than uh, part one, which was like so disappointed with. And then part three, I loved even more. And even when you take away all the, the negative parts of it and you understand sometimes the actor performs just not the right take, it should have been another take, you still get to recognize tremendous talent that Ewan McGregor brings and charisma that he brings. But to you, as far as his character is concerned, you mentioned a word that he's just pure. Mm -hmm. He's the guiding light. In light of what he says to Anakin at the very end of the film, he said, I had failed you, Anakin. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that Kenobi himself is incorruptible as character? This is something I've thought about before because I know um, there's people who've done fan art of a dark Kenobi. And I Mm -hmm. think that I don't think that anyone is infallible. And I think that mm-hmm. one thing that shows this is the idea of this, at least, is in the Clone Wars Series 6 arc with Yoda when he travels uh, to the Force, since the really Force planets, and he has that vision and he fights a version of himself. I think that's trying to show that Yoda is perceived as the most incorruptible Jedi and even he has a dark side. So mm-hmm. I don't think that it's impossible. I just think that the Kenobi that we are introduced to at that point was not impossible to turn but he was kind of beyond the point you know i think we're like anakin for example he could have been turned but if he had a different path to where he was the time that you'd have to turn him would have to be earlier and i think with kenobi if you got him around the phantom menace if you got him just after killing darth maul and maybe if darth maul got away and then someone like palpatine somehow got their mitts on him and twisted him into trying to track down and kill darth maul and then he did it in cold blood or something like that that could be enough to twist Kenobi in some way, I think. But it makes total sense, yeah. I don't think that when we see him from, from so he has that just point, he's simply outgrown that volatile uh, age. He's very set in his ways mm-hmm. uh, in Attack of the Clones and in Revenge of the Sith, and we see this throughout the Clone Wars as well and other content. He is very strict to the order. There's even uh, mm-hmm. there's a New Dawn book, um, which is by John Jackson Miller, and obviously he wrote the Legends book Kenobi. Well, in that Kenobi is in the prologue, and he speaks to Kane a little bit and he's also Kenobi's in Dark Disciple a fair amount the book about Quinlan Voss and Asajj Ventress which is pretty good it was Ace it's a really good thing uh, by Christy Golden that Kenobi plays quite a big role in that book and he is you know to the book he is in a lot of ways the antithesis of Quinlan Voss who's very much a maverick much like to almost his chagrin is that Kenobi is the uh, is very different to Qui-Gon Qui-Gon's a maverick doesn't play by other rules kind of does his own thing Kenobi's very set in his ways and so I feel like even though some of his issues with his character come up, as in some of his flaws, are being so dogmatic and so faithful in the order and not thinking from himself in the right ways at points, he is still very good. He's devoted. If the order crumbled, he yeah. would still be good. And I think that's what Kenobi yeah. is really going to show. It's in the show. And he does outlive the order, right, as we see in yeah. the original trilogy. And the way that he he has these musings and thoughts of, of what was, what came before. And he's like, huh. I made through it. I was mm. strong enough. Yeah, it's interesting that him and... He is the first introduction to anyone what a Jedi actually is, as you say, because in A New Hope, you only get to see him. He's the only example. And yeah. then in Empire, you're introduced to Yoda. And then in Return of the Jedi, you're introduced to Luke as a Jedi because he's not really a full Jedi. I mean, he's not technically a full Jedi to be Vader, but he's quite Jedi-like uh, in Return of the Jedi in a lot of ways. But yeah, he's he is the quintessential Jedi. He's what most people think of when they think of Jedi. They think of Yoda and Obi Wan. That's yeah, that's it. So I I love Kenobi as a character as well because I think he's he has the tragedy. He's got the true tra- tragedy in Star Wars. You know, if you see him, and this is going to be uh, some spoilers for the Clone Wars, but he falls in love in the Clone Wars, and the person he falls in love with dies, and he has to deal with that. Then he you know he loses his master in in the phantom menace before all that he loses anakin to the dark side and he will always feel like it's his fault and then 
he has to make the he has to spend like 20 ish or 19 years in exile to try and train someone and as the spoiler alert for the trailer but we're going to discuss the trailer later anyway so make sure you watch the trailer anyway the trailer for obi-wan kenobi shows that owen is telling you know kenobi to leave just like in the journals of old ben kenobi comics it's the same sort of thing so he's just got this tragic story about him and finding out about him in a new hope of initially is sort of oh he's old hermit but you don't necessarily think about those things or did you like when you saw the original trilogy did you think much about what kenobi was doing in those years living up to where luke was yeah i was and once again the beauty and the thrill of it was the story that is takes place out off screen Mm. and you don't get to see the way that he describes it because it builds all these mental images it's almost like reading a good book Mm. it gives you just enough detail to say okay i understand what is happening i understand the general setup but what's out there what's more we even had in Russia at one point, at least on my street, rumors that, hey, how come there's only episode four, five, and six? Did those American kids get like one, two, and three, and we just don't have those tapes here? At one point, there was a rumor there's 22 movies out there. Wow. And yeah, and your mind goes just, it, you run with it. You're like, oh my God, where's Obi-Wan before? Where's Anakin? Why did he leave, you know, Tatooine? What, what happens? And this is why I think there was two kind of get a little bit off course the specific topic that we're talking about. But this is where I feel that a lot of fans get their sense of ownership. Like, hey, this is my fantasy. This is my Star Wars. And when you start tinkering and changing things around, which Kenobi is not quite what I imagined him to be as a kid, the way he shows in prequels. It's it's a pretty logical extension of it. It makes sense. It's it it's in tune with what George Lucas establishes before, but it's not quite what I imagined. But I was absolutely concerned with where, what's the placement of all of these players in this huge, huge drama that we only see the ending of. Mm. We only see the last chapter because arguably when, when the movie opens up, they already stole the death plants. Tantive Four is like shooting, zooming out there to their planet of destination where they can execute the final plan and defeat the Empire, right? Hmm. And you just get into the good parts. Like, hey, hey, hold on a second. Like, I was confused. Why is Kenobi a hermit? Hmm. Why are they calling him crazy? And why a, a character who is not introduced until the very moment that Luke encounters him, that he has this very close familiarity with Luke's past, Hold on a second. I don't get it. You knew he's like you are just as confused as Luke is in that film, and that's the beauty of it. Hmm. And did you find with any of the Legends material that came out uh, that was about Kenobi? You know, there's the Legends book Kenobi that I haven't read, and I have not consumed anywhere near the amount of Legends material you have. I'm only scratching the surface very recently. Right. I saw video games. I played a lot of video games, um, mm-hmm. but. Aside from that, I've not consumed that much canon, uh, that much Legends content. You know, I'm a, a canon content fiend, uh, whereas you and I are slightly reversed in that way, but you've consumed a lot more canon than I have of Legends. But with the book Kenobi, did that... I know that you... I know that has quite held in high regard, but you yourself aren't as much of a fan of it as some other people. So I thought you could tell us about that book and maybe if there's other Legends examples of a better written Kenobi or things that you wanted more. I'd just love to hear about the sort of the Legends perspective of the the gap filling of Kenobi. Yeah. So as far as John Jackson Miller goes, I want to say it straight out, out of the bat, he is more than capable author. Mm. I mean, we know of his talent. He wrote one of the best Star Wars comic books, Knights of the Old Republic. He was involved with stories that are are stellar. And I don't attribute Kenobi's... That's the book from 2013 we're talking about, guys. For those of you who are not familiar, a Legends novel. I attribute most of the novel's problems not in the quality of writing, because it's a very, very competent book. Mm -hmm. He knows what to do with his characters. He knows how to build tension. He knows where to lead you in the story. Mm -hmm. My biggest gripe is with... Why that story? Hmm. Because I felt that it was either held... I mean, and we don't know. We can only suppose or or guess what happened behind the screen where what were the Lucasfilm story group telling him uh, that he shouldn't touch. Maybe George Lucas had further plans for Kenobi. Maybe he was going with his own version of Kenobi book. Or who knows, maybe the Clone Wars show continued on past the point of the Clone Wars, and later on, Lucas gets to develop these characters as they approach the original trilogy. We don't know that. But anyway, I felt that 
Kenobi gets lost in translation in that book. He's nowhere to be found. Because when you're dealing with a very specific time frame of post-Order 66, that's exactly when the book takes place, you cannot ignore some momentous events and things that happened to him. You cannot ignore Order 66 and his PTSD. You cannot ignore how he felt about losing Anakin. I felt that... Should have the book been darker? Not necessarily, but you need to include all of these details that, that comprise who, who Kenobi is. And it felt to me that he is an unwilling participant in this little microdrama that is not related to the larger world of Star Wars or the future events of building the Resistance, working hand-in-hand with Bail Organa, reaching out to Alderaan and saying, like, yes, the hope survives. I'm here looking after young Luke. None of it is there. Instead, he has concerned himself with locals and a type of storyline that I felt takes us away from who Kenobi is. Mm -hmm. And I could completely... I did not understand why in the world he is reaching out to uh, Kwai Ganjin is never answered. Hmm. It, it boggles my mind. I don't understand it. If you, because there's interludes between the chapters where Obi-Wan Kenobi, he's like in his adobe and he's lonely. And obviously, you know, the author begins to touch the mind of Kenobi that we should be able to recognize. And he kind of like reaches out there in the darkness. It's like, Qui-Gon, what could I have done differently? Or what do you think this is? My master, I need some guidance. And it's never reciprocated. And it's such an uh, opportunity lost that I just, the book didn't work for me. By the time it ended, I felt that if you rename Kenobi into Joe the Jedi, it would have worked just as fine. Mm, I see. And you don't do that in a character specific book. Mm, That's a very good point. Yeah, it was basically just he didn't, it wasn't about Kenobi as you'd expect. It was just, there was a story going on in the Star Wars universe and Kenobi happened to be involved in it. But if you changed it to anyone, it wouldn't have made any difference to the greater story. So why make uh, Kenobi? Yeah, and some some readers loved it and cherish it for the fact that they're saying, well, we do like that distraction. We do like to see that other facet of the character. Mm, I see. So I I haven't um, read that book uh, personally. Um, I've heard mixed things about it. I think generally it's held in well regard. I've heard that, as you say, it's a well-written book and things. It's just interpretation of what people would like. Right. Me personally, I want to, I want to see the PTSD. I want to know about his suffering and how much like the, the trailer itself has got so many elements on it, on it, which I'll tackle in a moment. But before we do, so what other, I know you're a fan of the dark horse Clone Wars comics and they've got things like Quinlan Voss in it and Ayla Sakura and some of the Jedi that we know about, the big Star Wars fans, but you don't get on screen very much and things. Is right. he in those very much? Does he have anything in the comics elsewhere in Legends? Uh, or is Kenobi not actually explored as much in Legends as one would hope? You know, I'd have to really dig deep into my memory because I had read The Republic in uh, years, years back. But I'm pretty sure he's there. Uh, Quinlan Voss is prominent in Yandu Shema's uh, uh, a run of the comic books. And from what I recall, and guys, do forgive me that I can't uh, specifically drop the names of particular comic books that I specifically remember scenes from that Kenobi was like stood out for me. Mainly it was novels, like novels like Labyrinth of Evil and uh, uh, Path of Deception. There's a couple of books. I'm sorry. I just they're completely I'm losing the track of the names of them. But there's a lot of clone era legends novels where the relationship of Anakin and Kenobi is being explored. And it basically channels the prequel era uh, uh, Kenobi. And it is very consistent because once you stop evaluating the filmmaking quality of the prequels and you just enjoy the characters for what they are and the kind of the story that George Lucas was putting together and other uh, authors were able to perfect for him through comic books, through books, through video games, like you mentioned. When you look at Kenobi from that perspective, that's exactly what that book does. And even if we jump from Legends into the canon, if we talk about books like, you know, Master and Apprentice with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan Kenobi, again, it continues that relationship of who Kenobi was as a student and who he is now as a master and why is he a true believer and what kind of values he wants to instill into Anakin. Again, guys, I can't call out specifics, but I'm pretty sure in the Republic and the Dark Times novels, uh, 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 graphic novels, there's plenty of uh, examples where Kenobi shines. Hmm. 
That's cool. Yeah, it's good to know. Because I do mm. want to get into more of the Legends comics and things. I've got... Um, I want to collect more of the Essentials. N- n- the the Legends um, sort of omnibus, the, the Epic Legends collections, I think they're called. The uh, Yeah. I've, I've got one of those that has got the two sets of comic adaptations of the Force Unleashed comics, because that's my favourite Legends story. Um, but yeah, this there's... one of them. Yeah, I mean, you've just, got... Just uh, my recent acquisition. Oh, so beautiful fantastic fantastic yeah so this one deals with a lot of the the purge Mm. the dark empire when post the republic i hope they do release the republic ones as well yeah yeah i've been on the lookout um for certain ones i want to get tales of the jedi as well but that was out a little while ago and they haven't got the omnibus yet they've got trade paperback still so i'm hoping that'll come out soon but anyway um so obviously when we're speaking about kenobi and things the next thing kind of comes up is obviously there's the tv show that's the the big reason we're speaking about kenobi because we've had We've, we've had bits of Kenobi throughout the years, mainly in Clone Wars. We've had quite a lot of Kenobi-centric uh, story arcs in that. We had the one episode in Series 3 of Rebels where you, uh, Kenobi pops up, um, and it's brilliant. So aside from that and the books we've mentioned, Master and Apprentice, Dark Disciple, there's the two books that are out this year. One that only came out a couple of days ago, which is Brotherhood mm-hmm. by Mike Chen. Uh, and then there's Padawan, uh, which I should have looked up who wrote that, and I apologize, I've forgotten. Um, but... We're getting those which are going to be supporting the show, just like there's now uh, an Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries of comics, which is, uh, I think, five issues. It might be six, but I think it's five. And issue one came out, and issue one is about him uh, as a paddle one or as a young Yeah, I read that one. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. I've got it as well, and I read it. So I think then the next one's going to be him under Qui-Gon, so it's going to be pieces of his life. So the show, from what we know about it in general, what is it that you... When you first heard of a Kenobi series, when it got announced ages ago, there's the movie, the movie and talks and people were thinking about, it, and then it kind of disappeared for a while, and then the series came to the forefront. When it got fully announced and confirmed, what was the first thing you kind of thought of either what you wanted from a Kenobi series or just the first reaction to a, a series being made about Obi-Wan Kenobi? I will tell you exactly in a second when this crazy noise passes. Oh, for the they're outside not, world. They're not letting us enjoy our conversation, Mike. It, it needs to happen all, every time. Oh, here we go. We're gone. We're gone. <laughs> so, yeah, what what are the, I guess, the expectations? You know, I mentioned this before on a live stream with my boys that uh, I try to play pretend that uh, my expectations are very moderate and that I'm patiently awaiting for the show and I'll judge it as it comes in. But I, I can't hide it. Of course, I'm hyped. Of course, I'm super thrilled. But as far as check marks go, as far as what particular notes the show needs to hit, I almost never do that. I don't have those prerequisites. Like otherwise, why wait for something? If 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 it fulfills the criteria, then it's good. If it doesn't fill the criteria, then it's bad. Like I I I can't operate. My mind doesn't work that way. It's do whatever the hell you want. And after the fact that it's done throw it on the screen that's the thrill of it the risk taking of a story and once it's there on the big screen and we get to be the judges of it and then i'm a hundred percent sure like everything else it's gonna work for some and it's not gonna work for someone else it's fine that's the way all content should be it can't cater to either one side of the fandom i think the the integrity comes from the directors and 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 uh, script writers and uh, the story group and Kathy Kennedy sitting down and saying, "What do we think works for this character? What is the natural logical evolution with this character? Is our interpretation on it, our take on it? Just like people have been interpreting Shakespeare for hundreds of years. That's the beauty of it. When you hear a new uh, playwright taking the, his own stab at Shakespeare and giving his own flavor and interpretation of it." And sometimes that interpretation will endure for decades, and that's what people will follow because it has a certain appeal. It reveals something about Shakespeare, or in this case, uh, Kenobi, that we've never considered before. That's mm. the hidden surprise that I like. So as far as story goes, almost zero expectations. The only thing I want them to do right is that particular duel, which I'm sure we'll, talk, we'll elaborate upon, do it right. Mm. Do it in a way that is consistent and honors with the material that came before that mm-hmm. and doesn't interfere with it. Because when you start washing it out with too much repetitive themes, like it, it's not appealing anymore. But one thing that I absolutely demand of the show, and I'm not saying like, you know, like 
you know, the, the Star Wars showrunners owe something to me that I, they're obligated to fulfill me because I've invested so much time and money into this stuff. Nobody owes me anything. But I think the show, if it wants to continue to be in sync with its fandom, it absolutely must feel special. Mm-hmm. It absolutely must uh, put forward the best talent that that Disney Plus and Lucasfilm has, has been able to pile up together up mm-hmm. to this point. It needs to represent the best of Star Wars, especially as far as Disney Plus is concerned, because this is to me the future of Star Wars on television, on Disney Plus, on serialized stories. And they need to get the pacing right. They need to get... The story elements, right, because up to this point, neither Mandalorian or Book of Boba Fett have been particularly strong in, in those areas. Hmm. Yeah, I see that perspective. I think with Book of Boba Fett, and we're going to spoil a Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian, we expect that you've probably seen all these things by now. Yeah. Um, but with Book of Boba Fett, I found it was all right. I enjoyed it, but it could have been better, but it was okay. And then yeah. the best episodes were the two Mandalorian episodes, which A, I was just like, why are they kind of there? And now I'm kind of... Yeah, uh, Grogu. Now the kind of did you of- like the Tuscan episode, episode two, I believe? Yeah, I liked that. My favorite were the Mandalorian ones. Uh, I know mm-hmm. they weren't the most maybe cultured in some ways, but I, I just loved them. The, the first Mandalorian episode, I think, some of the best Star Wars uh, in the new canon um, since the movies. Just that episode mm-hmm. when he comes in with the dark saber, just like slicing people up. <laughs> so cool. I love. There's a there is a big coolness factor to Star Wars that I appreciate, and Mandalorian has a lot of that, and that's. A lot of people mistake that for true substance in certain ways. However, I do think Mandalorian does have substance. I just think Series 2 is much better than Series 1. Series 1, I was mm-hmm. like, it's good. And then Series 2, I was like, this is really good. This is amazing. And then Book of Both, I was like, yeah, this is this is, this is good again. Like, it's not oh, it's not getting better. It's like, whoop. So we can agree that it fl- fluctuates a bit. Yeah. I mean, I still think the best Star Wars content outside the movies is Rebels. I think that's just top tier. Clone Wars is close behind. And I think anyone who thinks Clone Wars or Rebels are better is down to personal preference. But most Star Wars fans who've seen both are like, yeah, Clone Wars and Rebels are two of the best a piece mm-hmm. of Star Wars content. And obviously you love Bad Batch as well, which is great. But it's one of those things where when this series came out and was or when it was announced rather i was I'm, i was glad they didn't do a movie because i was like i don't want two hours of kenobi because they'll probably make it some giant big puzzle he has to solve like another super mm-hmm. or something annoying like that or mm-hmm. it would just be about this one big battle it will just all be about the vader fight or whatever right and i don't want that i want to know kenobi as a character more like one thing i saw online which is quite upsetting is this is probably the last time we're ever going to see you mcgregor as kenobi and obviously a few years ago we had no idea we'd ever see you mcgregor as kenobi again so this is amazing but this has got to like as much it's six episodes from what i recall and two episodes getting dropped on uh, the Friday. And so I'm very excited about it. But I'm also wary. It's like, we've basically got five episodes. It's going to be six, but I'm going to watch the two next to each other. So I'm like, okay, I want this amount of Kenobi. I want to go into his character more. I want to know what he was feeling. I felt what he was feeling in Revenge of the Sith when he was yelling, you're my brother, Anakin, and that sort of back and forth. In A New Hope and things, you get the gist. And if you read the certain point of view books, you get a bit more and things, but you kind of understand in a bit once he sees that luke is ready that's his adventure starting as you said earlier on this conversation that's that's kenobi's been waiting for 19 years doing seemingly nothing that point is when he gets his mission to really start so what was he doing what was his mental state like how has he wrestled with his failure and in the trailer when it was the first trailer that dropped and I've watched the two trailers. I'm not going to watch any more. Um, I couldn't resist watching the second trailer, though. Normally, I'd just watch the one, and I'd be like, I don't want to watch any more. I don't want to spoil it, but I, I can't yeah. resist. I'm more excited for Kenobi than any other piece of Star Wars content since The Force Awakens. But with it, in the trailer, when Kenobi says uh, the part about the war, and he was like, you know, uh, he fought in the war, and we lost. I was like, even that moment, I was like, oh, emotion in the trailer already it's just like oh and the way he just says we lost it's like uh, like you don't hear that i I think it hits me so hard because i don't think you ever really hear films or it's quite rare to hear a film either trailer or film mentioned just be like we fought in a war and we lost and not be you know an army veteran talking about decades past i'm talking about someone literally who's experiencing the fallout of the war they've lost. And also, it's yeah. not history. It's not people writing the history books and going, yeah, they lost because they're bad, or they lost because they were something wrong. This is, in the Star Wars universe, the Jedi lost, yeah, because they were misguided, but they were still trying to be good. And now the Empire, who is, in air quotes, evil, is now you know completely destroying and turning over the world, and he's got this one mission. And it's like, 
he feels responsible for this he's got all this weight and he's the survivor he has to take the load of all the people who he has seen die and also who he knows is dead and the people he feels like he's failed and it's like that is so much weight for one person i wanted to elaborate on what you're saying uh, of of you know that particular perception of who can all be is at that moment in time you know it's there's another part in the trailer where he is, has a discussion with lars yeah right and he says well when obviously talking about luke when he comes of age you know he needs to be trained and lars the younger actor channeling the original british actor that was in um uh, a new hope he's like like you trained his father I'm like, <gasps> and you know what to me uh, um it has been going on since the Phantom Menace launched. I always superimpose events that should be taken at the same time from George Lucas's clone, clone period and George Lucas's original saga period, and now the new canon. All three exist in my mind as these three parallel universes, and I tie all the pieces together myself. That's how I interact with Star Wars. I have my Star Wars which is the three movies, then I have the clone era, and then I have the new canon. There's a very specific and interesting part of, of Star, uh, Star Wars theme, the, the, uh, the Jedi Purge, the Dark Times, yeah. of where there these noble knights from before we saw the prequel trilogy we could only assume what they were like, but we knew that they were being exterminated, and this villain, this masked, armored killer was after them right so there's one book that i read in the 90s called the children of the jedi by bam uh, barbara hambly this one takes place a couple of years after the episode six hmm. and i was so invested in that particular time period because i wanted to know hey what is happening to these jedi families to the kids as the emperor and uh, invader march on and they destroy all these families right and in this book even though it's after Kenobi is gone. It's a little bit after episode six. It still deals with the aftermath of Order 66 and all of these ruined families. It was such a fascinating chapter where Luke is not just after that Jedi knowledge, you know, Jedi powers, Jedi knowledge. I got to reestablish the order. It's things that are constantly circling in his mind, but also the culture, the lives, the families that were behind it. And every step of the way that he is in his quest all he sees is these phantoms from the past of what these Jedi were like. So when we're talking about the Kenobi show, the whole reason I'm bringing this book up is it will be so interesting to interlink that Kenobi because in my mind, it's always young Anakin who is a young man and Obi-Wan Kenobi meets him on Tatooine and he's no slave and he's like, hey kid, uh, why don't you go with me and we'll fight in the war? And his brother Lars says, no, you can't do that. You have obligations here. Stay here, keep your head low, and let other people deal with this whole, you know, galactic civil war. And that just one episode in the trailer is able to bring converge all of Star Wars in one piece. And I'm like, I can't wait for this. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see how this resolves. The past meeting the current Star Wars. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because the way I think about Star Wars uh, in my mind when I'm trying to visualize timelines and etc. I think of it if people thought of like a just rectangles, like kind of just like three rectangles kind of apart gaps and it's trilogy, trilogy, trilogy. And then there's string that connects them. And on that string, you've got kind of, you know, between the prequels and the yeah. original, you've got Clone Wars, uh, not Clone Wars, you've got Bad Batch. And then you've got the few bits of sort of uh, canon content between those things. And then you've got the original trilogy and then you've got the sequel trilogy and the few bits of content that connect them. But it's just thin <laughs> strings. You know, and then you've got sort of post-era periods. You know, you've got things like the Mandalorian uh, and Book of Boba Fett, which take place after Return of the Jedi, but they don't really connect with Return of the Jedi or with Force Awakens. There's you know rumors about there's the cloning stuff that's going to thinly potentially link to Snoke, and obviously there's references to the Empire and the Stormtroopers, but it doesn't actually. You, you could watch Mandalorian with never seeing the original trilogy, and obviously the other way around works as well. But there isn't that content which is like a big weighty thing that directly connects two main characters. It's like we're getting another block in here. It's kind of... Solo, we got it a little bit, but the problem is with Solo, because Han Solo obviously doesn't appear in the prequels because he was so young then, 
you can't go any further. So for me, when you think of the solo thing, you look at that and it's almost like a filter goes down and you've got the three trilogies, which is this one's blacked out, this one's all full, and then this one he's just, you know, in the start one and the smidge in the end. You then get a little nub coming out the middle or the original trilogy coming out and you're like, oh, here's a bonus, here's like a prequel, here's an add-on. But with Kenobi, it's literally connective tissue. It's literally, if they do it in the right way, as we all hope, they're going to directly connect and it's like in the middle of basically the battle we saw on Mustafa in Order 66 and the appease Kenobi who's literally willing to die at the hands of Vader to allow Luke to escape. We're meeting the dead middle of that. And they have to balance it so well. And what I'm hoping is that we're going to see the Kenobi at the start who's basically, he's doing it for Luke, but he is barely hanging on with the guilt and everything just yeah. overwhelming him. And we get he to see up. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we get to see that. But from what the trailer uh, seems to show and from some of the I try not to look at behind the scenes images or set images uh, but obviously watch the trailers where you see it obviously travels to another world and my theory is probably from what I think the trailer's making us think is Inquisitors come caught like maybe Kenobi saves someone inadvertently causes a scene the Empire come and investigate and then he has to try and lead the Empire away from Tatooine uh, to make them completely not even realise that Luke is there and in doing so he has to kind of make a bit of a fast make a bit of a scene and then they are like oh my god it's Kenobi let's go get him and then he kind of takes him on a wild goose chase and has to I don't know fake his death or what obviously he fights Vader so I don't know how that interaction is going to go but he has to do it in a way where they stop looking for him and don't decide to go back to Tatooine where they kind of first found him so it's this thing of I, I feel like Marvel and Star Wars are quite good with misdirection quite a lot with their yeah. trailers yeah. so I'm like is that going to be it or are they doing the thing which other series often do which you look at the trailer and you go wow that's so much that happens and then you watch the first episode and all of the trailer is in the first like 20 minutes and and from that it's like the next five, six episodes, you've literally seen maybe one second of footage, which was like a panel, sh- a panning shot. That's it. You know nothing else. I hope it's the case here as well. Yeah. The trailers, they really, uh, they really excited me. When the first trailer came out, I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch it anyway. You know, I'm sure it'll be really good. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, oh God, John Williams score. And I was like, oh, John Williams is writing original music. What did you say? Oh, we've got you and McGregor back. What did you? I didn't realize we were going to get this stuff. And it's like all these things come up, all this emotion. I'm like, yeah. I haven't felt like I this. almost cried, man. Mm. I surprised myself. I almost cried. I teared up when the, the Duel of the Fates theme plays. I couldn't believe it. How evocative it is. Like, oh my God. And again, it's to me, it was a permutation of my past and my present colliding with one another. It's the Kenobi and Lars and Anakin story that exists in my mind. And then the one that we see in the clones, the, the two are becoming one. Mm. And it's okay because look, look, it's all fiction, it's all fantasy. And you can always bring something close to your heart and say, yeah, that's real story to me. And something that you dislike, it's just like, ah, you know, I'll pretend that it never existed because I don't like it. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but yeah, with it's also with Kenobi, I think, it, you, you linked into it there. It's kind of, there's nostalgia, but they've tapped into it for basically anyone who isn't of the newest generation. If you're a generation of Star Wars fans whose first introduction to Star Wars was the sequel trilogy, you won't feel the same connection to kenobi in the way that you'll be as excited for this series necessarily obviously there are people who got into star wars due to the sequels and then probably thought oh i prefer the prequels originals and kenobi is really cool i really like that but i think that when you grew up without seven eight and nine or solo or rogue one and you grew up obviously with yourself with just the original trilogy and me with the original trilogy and then you know i was uh five when phantom menace came out so then, you know, uh, seven or eight when Attack of the Clones, and then so t- 11, I think, when um, Revenge of the Sith came out. So my formative years of those that age, when I really started forming memories, it's kind of like, in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, Phantom Menace came out, and then Attack of the Clones, and then Revenge of the Sith. Because obviously when a kid, I watched it, I was like, that's really cool. I like Star Warsy things, playing video games and that sort of jazz, but had no real concept of time. Whereas now it's like, okay, well, you've got the next 10 years of Disney, Here's wait, and, and it feels like we're waiting much longer for things, even though we're getting things really quickly. You feel like you're waiting because back then we didn't know we we're going to get any more, yeah. you yeah. know, and it's such a different feeling. And so we're getting something that we didn't realize we necessarily needed or wanted. And it connects to both of the now two previous generations of Star Wars fans in, mm-hmm. in very different ways, I think. But it'll be very interesting goal. to see how it's received by by both both fandoms, both sides of the fandom. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's um, it's going to be very interesting. So, 
is there anything else in the trailer that you wanted to mention before we delve into uh, further subjects? Because obviously the trailer, there's the Inquisitors, which I'm quite intrigued by, which anyone listening who is unfamiliar, you should be by now, they feature the pr- primarily in Rebels, in the canon at least, and in in Legends there's there's only Inquisitors. Is it in the radio drama? Is that when Yes, you- in a 1980 original Star Wars radio drama, which I just recently learned, because like everyone else, I thought it was a Dave Filoni's addition to the Star Wars universe. It was not. So my understanding is um, West End Games that developed a lot of Star Wars RPG books in the 80s, they supplied a lot of lore that a lot of early Bantam-era Star Wars authors used, like certain ship names or shipyards or particular characters, or who was the first person who was behind stealing you know, the plans to the Death Star and so forth. So, And the Inquisitorium that, that ordered that faction is, comes out, out of that uh, radio drama, which I guess we can directly credit to George Lucas. And funny enough, that's exactly what I pictured as a kid when I saw... Darth Vader parading in Tantive Four, and he was so dramatically different from stormtroopers. Like, okay, there's many of these guys here on the ship, but there's one of him. Mm. So he's probably upper rank. This is my my inner child, like analyzing it. Has got to be more like him, right? He's just a general. He can't be the only one. The other ones, maybe there's females there. Maybe the other ones who have like slightly different helmet, but they're also machine like. And guess what? We've got Inquisitors. But yeah, the other thing I wanted to mention about the trailer is, um, let me see. Give me a second to capture my thought. I had really, really interesting question for you, but <laughs> it, it'll come to me. I promise. That's fine. I mean, with the trailer, there's obviously the John Williams score is a big part of it as well. I found yeah. that the fact that he is writing original music for Kenobi and it's like music is such a massive part of Star Wars, both nostalgia or anything. You hear, I hear Jewel of Fates anywhere and I'm like, I need to hear the rest of this. I don't know where I'm going. Where's that coming from? It's like a, you know, it's like a dog when you, when there's like food nearby. I'm like, get jittery. It's like, where's that coming from? That's my favorite thing. Yes, it came to me. So I don't know if you saw this piece of promotional art or not. Minor, minor spoiler. Uh, We have Kenobi in his hood. We have Vader in his helmet. And in between them, there's kind of like, ethereal kind of like aura, whether you don't quite understand whether it's real or not, but it's them going versus one another, holding their lightsabers high and things are about to pop off. What are your thoughts on this duel in connection to specifically, even though, you know, your generation is a prequels, but you're so well versed in all the details of minutia of the films. What is your response to that particular duel to episode four and how Kenobi talks about Vader and how Vader says, I have not sensed this presence since, and you get the sense of like, okay, there was kind of encounter, there was kind of tension between the two, and obviously when they meet for the final duel, it's like, when last we met, I was but a learner. What are they referring to in A New Hope, and how can the show and the trailer naturally lead to that point that it doesn't take away from uh, A New Hope? This is something I think the biggest problem i i have had with the announcement of vader being kenobi first of all it's quite upsetting to me that something that massive is immediately being told to everyone i have a suspicion he's going to have a bigger role than people think but i think it's more so going to be we're going to see a lot of him interacting with the inquisitors and him Mm. kind of reacting to things going on as opposed to there being a specific story with him until he starts connecting with kenobi he's going to be trying to find kenobi kenobi's going to be trying to get attention away from lucas humidly and I first thought, I was like, well, I, hopefully they'll just have Vader in the first episode and we won't have to be like, oh, when's he going to pop up? Because otherwise the whole time everyone's going to be being like, when's he going to show? But then them being like, oh yeah, they're going to have another confrontation. Like them just announcing that with the show before even a trailer dropped. And it's like, right, so we know now that they're going to fight. So, But I didn't want to know that. Like, I, I, I knew there was a confrontation when we watched um, A New Hope, you know. The interaction from that was, yeah, basically Obi-Wan and Vader fought in some way and Vader lost, in essence. Or, you know, when he you know, left, I was just the learner. It's like, okay, so you may have been exiled or something like that. You see it in Mustafar in, you know, Revenge of the Sith and things, and you go, okay, well, he basically lost the fight. That makes sense. That, that works. And now it's like, oh, we're going to have another fight that Kenobi is basically going to have to now win. And Vader's going to have to know he won 
But Vader's not going to look for him, in theory, any further. Because there's no sign anyone's actually looking for Kenobi by A New Hope or anything. And why wouldn't they go back to Tatooine? So it does open up all these questions. I'm just a bit like... I feel like it's one of those annoying little things where either they're going to just ignore it and they're going to do their own story anyway and it's going to be one of those weird little quirks of Star Wars that we occasionally get or they're going to try and force it in a way kind of like and I'm not saying I'm against this but in Solo when you know Solo said in New Hope Parsec and because George Lucas thought it was time when it was actually distance so they then basically did the thing in Solo where they made the Kessel Run the trick is to do it in the shortest period of time, the, the shortest distance, as opposed to the quickest time. And that's how they wrote around it. It's like, okay, that's clever. And I I get that. And it works now in the canon. But it does feel somewhat heavy-handed in certain ways. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. conscious. I'm like, are they going to do... I want the Kenobi and Vader fight to be genuine. But now I know it's basically rigged, where it's probably just going to be Obi-Wan's going to win. But how is he going to win without it being as epic as Mustafar? Vader's not going to jump over him and just have his arms and legs sliced off again. If they did, that would be... Could you imagine? Unless, <laughs> unless, right? If if there is this particular... First of all, I don't know how they can reconcile the fact that Vader says in A New Hope, last time we learned I was a, a, a but a Padawan, but a learner. He stops being a learner after Mustafar. There's no other precedent for them to meet for Vader to remain a Padawan, a learner. So that's done. I don't know how they're going to reconcile that. But then there is another aspect of it. When Vader gives the command, he's like, scour the ship. I want every, you know, quarter of the ship searched. And he says, I haven't felt this presence since. So if he presumes that Kenobi's gone and dead, and there is no reason to search for him, what if in this one, Obi-Wan Kenobi loses Mm. It makes it seem like he dies. Mm. And I also proposed this to the guys that I do live stream, the Josh and Jimmy. I said, what if they kind of put a spin on the this whole thing? It's like poetry, it rhymes, like, which I can't stand that. But anyway, what if they put a flip on it and say Vader gets to Kenobi so hard and so much and, and just twists his insides where Kenobi says, I hate you, Anakin. I can't stand you. And Vader says, I loved you. You were my master. You were supposed to protect me. Mm. And chop, and that's something to Kenobi, which makes it seem like he is, that's it. Kenobi is no more. I don't have to worry about him anymore. And that kind of reconciles the A New Hope a little bit. Yeah, I kind of, I see what you're saying. I highly doubt they'll do that. But I see, I do see what you're, you're getting at there. I, I don't think we'll ever hear Vader say the word love aside from in Return of the Jedi, I think it's just he's too far gone. I think maybe Obi-Wan is going to try and offer his hand and be like, you know, he still probably feels responsible for Anakin turning. And then their confrontation is going to be like, Obi-Wan realizing it wasn't purely his fault that Anakin turned. It's not him who's the sole reason. And he's going to probably fight Vader and reconcile with that. I mean, one thing I've also thought about with it, I've thought maybe it's going to be a force thing where that he's going to, you know, maybe Obi-Wan is going to do some sort of crazy force thing that Vader's not seen before, like maybe Luke's astral projection in Last mm. Jedi. And he's going to mm. and he's going to somehow do that and then trap Vader somewhere for ages and disappear. And then Vader's going to be like, you you knew more about the force. I had no idea. You beat me. Mm-hmm. In a, mm-hmm. That could work, I suppose. But another side is like the force. Like they just both do a big old force push and they do that thing where it's like you see a little thing appearing and both the hands are shuddering and you hear like... And it, you know, it, it might be something a little bit like that, but yeah, I'm not sure how they're gonna how they're gonna do it. I'm excited to find out. And as long as there's more Definitely. emotional, like one of my favorite things, and this is a spoiler for Rebels, uh, the end of series two of Rebels is some of my favorite Star Wars that exists. I mean, Rebels from series the end of series one of Rebels all the way to the end of ser- of Rebels is some of my favorite Star Wars ever. I just think it's incredible. But the finale of series two. You get Ezra and Kanan face Vader and you just get the the feel of how powerful he is and you get the same in Jedi Fallen Order. And then Ahsoka shows up and you get the interaction between Ahsoka and Vader. And it's just some of the best Star Wars I've ever seen. And it's heartbreaking. It's so emotional. And I'm like, if it's even half of that, I will be so happy. I even said to Megan yeah. when I watched the trailer of Kenobi, I was like, I may cry at this show at some point. Maybe when it first starts, I don't know. It may just come because it's just Kenobi to me is my he's always been my favorite character like my, my star wars tattoo on my arm 
Right. It, I, initially, it was I was thinking about having Kenobi's head up there. I, I changed it, um, but he's just always he's been my favorite character in anything ever of like any franchise of like he is the character i was like if you had to aspire to be like any character kenobi is one of those ones where it's a great role model yeah he's very wise especially his wise measured version of himself that alec guinness plays mm-hmm. and he knows he he basically does everything right in that film there's never really a time apart from him you know getting to where Alderaan's debris is where it's just the blown up pieces of it aside from that which he couldn't know he couldn't have possibly known everything he basically does is it doesn't mess up everything right. is very measured you know in the cantina slices the arm off nothing else he in the um he does all the mind tricks and things he goes turns off the tractor beam he does everything he wants vader to be distracted and to dis and to kill him he does that there's never a time where he's ever panicked and i think whereas in Clone Wars and in Revenge of the Sith, there's those moments of uncertainty where he's not sure of himself. I yeah. think Kenobi's going to find himself in the show as well. And it's going to be interesting to see how he does that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is why uh, this show, I keep repeating this, uh, the show owes it to you guys, the prequel fans, so much more than it does to me. Because, you know, it's, Kenobi's role is far more limited in uh, original trilogy than it is in... Uh, Prequels. I would say prequels are the. I mean, the video that I'm dropping tonight. The my hot take is that the Phantom Menace is entirely about Qui Gon Jinn and Obi Wan Kenobi, hmm. and Kenobi's formative years and becoming the master that he will need to be. You know, so it it needs to get it right for you, and to me, it needs to anchor all of fans on an emotional level. And that's the end of part one. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in, my friends. Part two will be out next week on this very feed. But if you can't wait that long, please consider checking out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash genuinechitchat. If you give as little as £1 a month, which I think works out as about $1.50, you get access to early Genuine Chit Chat episodes. So when part one and part two drop, you get access to the full unsplit episode when part one drops on this feed. In addition to that, you also get the Afterthoughts episodes. At least one of those drops a week. I've released some Star Wars book reviews on there that aren't found anywhere else, including a couple of Legends ones, a couple of Canon ones. Uh, myself and Megan also do movie reviews on there and TV series reviews and even live performance reviews like Les Miserables and Book of Mormon and things like that. So if you want to support the show, get additional content every single week and also get early access to things and only spend about £1 a month, please consider checking out patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. It would mean the absolute world to me and also Megan, but also if you are still a bit convinced then please check out the link in the description which is bit.ly slash tomhanks1 and you get access to our first episode in our tom hanks rewatch that we've been doing this year where we've gone through many of the tom hanks movies starting with big and just watching a lot of ones we've never seen before like joe versus the volcano but also watching ones that are classics like upcoming ones such as sleepless in seattle forrest gump castaway things like that But what is in part two, you may ask? Well, myself and Ben's conversation continues pretty much where it left off, and that is talking about Kenobi, unsurprisingly. We talk about some of the characters we would like to see and maybe wouldn't want to see, how much screen time they may have. We also compare the show to other releases on Disney Plus to kind of work out potentially the quality. Hopefully that our expectations aren't too high, but I can't lie to you, my expectations are incredibly high. I'm very, very hyped for this. But that's just generally where the conversation goes. If you enjoyed part one, you're certainly going to enjoy part two of this conversation and when part two drops on the normal feed then a video version of the conversation should be released on youtube as well but please subscribe to ben's youtube channel star wars timeline please follow him on social media please follow me on social media at genuine chit chat you know rate and review and subscribe all those usual lovely things and what else have we got coming up on this feed well i've recorded another episode of disney discussions with ria dan and megan we speak about disney sequels direct to video sequels specifically and um they are interesting let's put it that way but I'm not going to delve any further into that here. You just have to make sure you subscribe if you're not already and follow me on social media and you'll get information on all of those things. But I've got some other things in the pipeline which I'll tell you about when I've got them recorded and whatnot. But aside from that, my friends, please check out some of my appearances on Star Wars Timeline. The links are in the description. We speak about Star Wars stuff on Ben's YouTube channel quite a lot. And I've got a few other guest spots here and there popping up as well. But, you know, just follow me on social media. You should be kept up to date with everything and listen to every single episode of Genuine Chit Chat. 
all the way to the end including this outro like you're doing right now and you shouldn't miss a thing but i will say thank you as always for listening please review on all the usual places rate and review all that sort of jazz please share on social media tell your friends about genuine chit chat and please consider checking out my patreon page but anyway my friends thank you as always for listening i appreciate each and every one of you tuning in and i'll talk to you next week with part two of my chat with ben you have just experienced host creator everything else of genuine chit chat and also the host and creator of star wars comics and canon found on the comics in motion podcast mike burton